from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. generation has more material abundance than any generation before us. But ironically, we are far less satisfied with what we have. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how we can feel joyful, grateful, and completely satisfied no matter what our material situation might be. We will take a look at the Bible verses that tell us how Moses allotted land to the 12 tribes of Israel in a way that each tribe was satisfied with what it received, and we'll discover the secret to being satisfied with our own lots in life. I'll share with you some Jewish insights and inspiration to help you keep the right perspective so that you can enjoy your life fully and never feel lacking. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Pinchas, and it covers Numbers 25.10 through 31. In today's episode, we will focus on a short section from chapter 26, but a very powerful one. Chapter 26 begins with God's command to take a census of the Israelites. Remember, at this point in time, the Israelites were camped next to the Jordan, just about ready to cross over into the promised land. Taking a census was part of the preparation for entering the Holy Land. In the verses that we will focus on today, God tells Moses to allocate portions of the land to each of the 12 tribes of Israel. The verses are from Numbers 26, 52 to 56, and I'm going to read them to you now. The Lord said to Moses, The land is to be allotted to them as an inheritance based on the number of names. To a larger group, give a larger inheritance, and to a smaller group, a smaller one. Each is to receive its inheritance according to the number of those listed. But be sure that the land is distributed by lot. What each group inherits will be according to the names for its ancestral tribe. Each inheritance is to be distributed by lot among the larger and smaller groups. That's from Numbers 26, 52 to 56. In these verses, God explained to Moses how to allocate portions of the Holy Land to each individual tribe. But the instructions seem to be contradictory. At first, God directs Moses to divide the land according to the size of each tribe. A larger tribe should get a larger piece of land, while smaller tribes should receive smaller lots of land. So far, the instructions are straightforward and make perfect sense. But then God tells Moses that the portions of land must be distributed by lot. A lottery suggests that the distribution of land would be completely random, without taking into account the size and needs of each individual tribe. So which is it? Did God want Moses to thoughtfully match each tribe with an appropriate piece of land? Or did God want Moses to allocate each portion of land completely randomly, according to Lot? The rabbis explain that the answer is 
both. And that, really, there is no contradiction at all. Moses assigned the portions of land in theory, but they were determined by lot in practice. Moses drew the lots and miraculously, the results of the lottery weren't random, but perfectly matched the size and needs of each tribe. But why did God have Moses allocate the land this way? Why were the lots necessary if the results were the same as what Moses could have figured out himself? The answer is that by giving out the land by lots, Moses was able to avoid one tribe becoming jealous of another tribe's allocation. Everything was done by lottery so that there could be no doubt that the outcome was just and fair and sacred, ordained by God. At the same time, the assessment that Moses made, according to the numbers of each tribe, reassured the people that what God gave them was exactly what they needed. You know, we can learn a lot from the way that the Israelites received their portions in the promised land. It's very relevant to our lives today. On one hand, it seems random, determined by the luck of the draw. But on the other hand, we know that it was determined by God and that each tribe received exactly what it needed. We need to take the same approach when it comes to our own lot in life. When we look around at what some people have and what other people lack, we might think that some people are lucky while others just aren't. From the outside, it all seems random. But as people of faith, we know that luck has nothing to do with it. Everything we have and everything we don't have is determined by God. We need to trust that God gives us exactly what we need. And to be happy, besimcha, as we say in Hebrew, with what he has given us. In reality, not many people are satisfied with their lot in life. Most people spend their lives pursuing wealth, but never being satisfied with what they have. We think, once I earn this amount of money, I'll have enough. Or, once I can afford this thing, I'll be content. But somehow, we always seem to need more. Simon ben Zoma, a Jewish sage who lived in the Holy Land during the first century, left us some wise words about wealth, wisdom that is still so relevant today. He asked the question in Hebrew, Ezehu Ashir, who is rich? How would you answer that question? Who do you consider to be rich? Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Elon Musk? They're all examples of people with more money than just about anyone else on earth. Or maybe instead of naming people, you might answer with an amount of money that a person needs to have in order to be considered wealthy. A hundred thousand dollars? A million dollars? A hundred million dollars? How much does a person need to have in order to be considered rich? How much money? Simon Benzoma didn't list any names or even numbers in his answer. He asked, Ezehuashir, who is rich, and he answered, very simply, Hasameach Bichalko, he who is happy with his lot. 
There are people with plenty of money, but are considered poor because they never feel like they have enough. They're never satisfied with what they have. And then there are people who don't have a huge amount of money, but they are considered wealthy because they are content with what they have and they feel deep in their hearts that they lack nothing. This idea that Simon Benzoma introduced of being sameach bechelko, happy with what one has, has become an important value in Judaism. It is a value that I try to teach to my own children in every situation that I encounter. There is an old Jewish folktale that demonstrates this value, and it has been turned into a fantastic children's book that I often read to my kids. It's called The Noisy Crowded House. The story is relevant in every situation in my life that I see. It's about a poor man who lived with his mother, his wife, and their six children in one small room hut. Because they were so crowded, the man and his wife often argued. The children were noisy and they fought. The hut was full of crying and quarreling. Oh, it was so stressful for them. So many people in such a little space. One day, when the poor man couldn't stand it anymore, he ran to his rabbi to ask for advice. He told the rabbi all about how difficult his life has become and how unhappy they all were. The rabbi listened carefully and told the man that he could help, but on one condition, that the man agreed to do whatever the rabbi told him to do, no questions asked. And the man agreed. Next, the rabbi did something that was very unexpected. He asked the man if he had any chickens. The man responded that he had a few chickens and also a rooster and a goose. And to his surprise, the rabbi told him to take the chickens, take the rooster, and take the goose and move them all into his little crowded house. The man was so confused, but did as he was told, just as he said he would. After a few days, life in the hut was worse than before. Now, in addition to all of the usual fighting and bickering, there was honking, crowing, clucking. When the poor man couldn't stand it any longer, he ran back to the rabbi with a cry for help. He told the rabbi that his life had become even more difficult with all the animals in his house, and that was making him miserable. The rabbi responded, again, something that you wouldn't expect, by asking if the man had owned a goat. The poor man told him that he did, and then the rabbi instructed that the man bring the goat into his house to live with him and the chickens and the roosters and all the family members. The poor man was shocked, but he did as the rabbi told him to. It didn't take long before the poor man was at his wit's end. Now, in addition to the crying, the quarreling, the clucking, the honking, and the crowing, the goat went wild, pushing and butting everybody with his horns. Whoa, the man went back to the rabbi and told him that he was even more miserable than ever before. The rabbi really appeared sympathetic, but then he asked the man if he owned a cow. Wow, the man fearfully replied that he did. And the rabbi smiled and told the man to bring the cow into his home. The man was beside himself. 
But seeing that he had no choice, he promised the rabbi he would do everything he said. He did as the rabbi told him to do. Life in the man's house now was really unbearable. Everyone fought and the animals made noise. You could barely move around. The goat ran wild and the cow trampled everything. The poor man was completely dejected. He dragged himself back to the rabbi and poured out his heart about his terrible, miserable life. And this time, the rabbi very wisely responded by telling the man to let all of the animals out of his home. The man was elated And he did so right away. That night, there was peace and quiet in the man's house. The hut felt spacious and clean, homey and wonderful. The next day, the poor man ran back to the rabbi. He said, holy rabbi, you have made life so sweet for me. With just my family in the hut, it's so quiet, so roomy, so peaceful. My life is wonderful. What a beautiful, deep story that really could pertain to us all. I love this story just as much as my children do. And it's values that I want to live by and that I want my children to live by. It reminds me that life can be as wonderful as we decide it to be. As the poor man in the story learned, in order to be happy, it's not our situation that needs to change but our perspective that needs to change. We need to appreciate things before we lose them. Simon Benzoma asked, who is Ashir? Who is rich? But the word Ashir, which means rich, can also mean happy when spelled just a little bit differently. Another way to understand Simon Benzoma's teaching is, Who is happy? He who is happy with his lot. The happiest people are not the ones who have the most money. In fact, studies have proven that the wealthiest people are just as likely to be unhappy as everyone else, if not more so. Sometimes they have even more challenges. The happiest people are those who are content with their lot in life. Of course, being content with what we have in a culture that is so focused on what we need to buy next isn't easy. The rabbis taught, he who has a hundred wants two hundred, and that no one leaves this world with even half of his desires fulfilled. It's human nature to want more, but at the same time, it is possible to be happy with what we have. I want to share three ideas based on Jewish thought and practice that have helped me remain happy with my lot. And I hope that they will help you too. The first idea is to remember that we already have everything that we need. God gives us exactly what we need in order to live happy and successful lives. And at every given moment, we truly lack nothing. Every morning when I pray the daily Jewish prayers, I say, Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech haolam. Blessed are you, God, Lord, Master of the universe, who provides me with all of my needs. 
this prayer reminds me that God always gives me everything that I need. Not necessarily everything I desire or everything that my neighbor has, but exactly what I need at this particular moment in my life. Just as God allocated the lots in the Holy Land to each tribe according to the needs of each tribe, he provides for each of us according to our individual needs. And no one knows better than our creator exactly what we do and what we don't need. The second idea is to be aware that jealousy is dangerous. Wanting what someone else has is not just wrong. Not only does it violate the Ten Commandments not to covet what someone else has, but also it is self-defeating. I remember when my daughter was little and she wanted to wear my glasses. Now, I don't love my glasses, but she thought that they were the coolest things ever. I tried to explain to her that if she wore my glasses, she wouldn't be able to see very well. But she kept insisting she wanted to wear my glasses. I finally let her try them on. And after one minute, whoa, she got dizzy and she realized that they weren't so great after all. When we covet what someone else has, it's like wanting someone else's prescription glasses. The glasses may look nice, but if they aren't right for you, they aren't going to do you any good. If you wear glasses aren't your prescription, you won't be able to see, and life will be much harder for you. There's an ancient Jewish teaching that says, whoever desires something that is not his will not get what he wants and will lose what he already has. Being jealous of others doesn't get us what we want. It only takes us away from enjoying what we have already been given. We have a lot to lose by wanting what doesn't belong to us and everything to gain by appreciating and recognizing the enormous blessings that we, each one of us in his own lot, have been given. The third idea, and the one that has probably helped me the most in life, is to really focus day in, day out on my blessings. Hasameach bechelko can mean he who is happy with his lot. But it can also mean he who enjoys his lot. One way to ensure that we are happy with our lot in life is to take pleasure in what we have been given. It's hard to feel lacking while enjoying our blessings. If you have kids, You've probably heard the following phrase after saying no to something that they asked for. But so-and-so has one, right? All you parents, you've heard your kids say that. Or, but so-and-so gets to do that. I'm sure I said that to my parents when I was a child. And on occasion, I hear it from one or two or three or four of my own children as well. Whenever I say no, the answer is always, but someone else has it. But their parents say yes, but they can do it. Now, years ago, I developed a strategy to deal with my children feeling entitled to something because of what their friends have or get to do. 
When my kids tell me about their friend's toy, I ask them to tell me about their own toys. I say to them, okay, that's wonderful that your friend has that toy. But tell me, what toys do you have? What's your favorite toy? When my kids tell me about the fun things that their friend did, I say, wow, that sounds wonderful. I'm so happy for your friend. Now tell me some of the fun things that you have been blessed to do. I try to take the focus off of what my child thinks he or she lacks and place it instead on focusing on their blessings, on what they do have, on what they uniquely have been blessed with, on the lot that God has given them. The truth is, to be completely honest, I use this strategy on myself too. Sometimes without even realizing it, I'll catch myself wanting what someone else has. And immediately, I turn my focus and my heart back on the huge blessings that God has bestowed upon me. For example, a lot of my friends here in Israel are able to hand over their kids to their parents. There are Saba and Safdas, grandfathers and grandmothers, who live down the street from my friends. And they get to just drop off their kids and enjoy time away with their spouses without their children. We don't have grandparents here who can watch our children. We don't have aunts and uncles. We're alone in Israel. We are alone in raising our four children. And sometimes I catch myself feeling jealous because we don't have that help that so many of our other friends have. But you know what? Then I catch myself and I remind myself of all the amazing, huge blessings that I do have. I have a great family and kids that I actually love being around. I have a spouse, a husband, who I love being with him. He loves being with me and the kids. And together, we enjoy family time. I have plenty of space in my house and a porch to sit on if I feel like I need a little bit of space or time alone. I have a job that I love, that brings meaning to my life. I remind myself of the many blessings that I get to enjoy on a daily basis so that by the time I'm done focusing on my blessings, on my love for my family, on my healthy children, on my amazing husband, I no longer feel jealous. Instead, I feel grateful that I get to enjoy a wonderful life exactly according to the lot that God has given me every single day. The more we enjoy what we have, the more we will be satisfied with our lot. Can you make more time to enjoy your blessings by focusing on them? If you have outdoor furniture and the weather is nice, go outside and enjoy it. If you are blessed to share your home with family or friends, sit around and enjoy their company. If you have the ability to make or take out a delicious meal, savor every bite. Everyone has blessings in their life. I don't know what particular blessings God has given uniquely to you, but whatever they are, do your best to enjoy them more. And you can enjoy them more by focusing and recognizing them more. And don't forget 
to take pleasure in the things that most of us take for granted when at a time in history, they were only enjoyed by kings. Running water, hot showers, produce from all over the world. Wow, we are living like ancient queens and kings. It doesn't matter how much we have if we don't enjoy any of it. But the more we take pleasure in what we do have, even if it's just a little bit, the less we will want for anything. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Wanting what others have takes away our vitality. It's impossible to be jealous and joyful at the same time. We need to choose one emotion to feel. But when we are samech b'chelko, happy with what we have, our heart is at peace and we are full of life. We are joyful, grateful, and energized. This week, take some time to enjoy your blessings and to thank God for your lot in life. It doesn't matter how much you have. When you focus on your blessings, what you have will always be more than enough. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.